Well, good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. Uh, it is good to be back here. I missed you all. And I trust you've had a good start to 2019. I actually just want to do a quick shout out to all you parents who have bundled up your kids to bring them to school this morning. I applaud you. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And to our parking lot guys. Huh? Yeah. I want to thank all of you for your faithfulness to soul by the giving of your time, your treasure, your talents. Um, the fact is, is that God has been working through uh, you all through 2018. I'm really excited about uh, where 2019 is going to go. And if you're our guest today, my name is Jerry. I'm the lead pastor. I've been away for a few weeks, just a, just a couple. And uh, I'm just thrilled that uh, you are here today with us. Um, I want to also take a moment uh, to say thank you on behalf of my family and myself um, for all the cards, all the messages uh, regarding the passing and the funeral of my mother. Uh, just to let you know, we really appreciate it. And so before uh, I get going, I also want to draw your attention to our mini church app that has made life very easy for all of us. And now if you're a techie person, simply pull out your phone and just simply download Church Center app. And there it is. I've made it nice and easy for you to see. And you can see my name is there. And uh, uh, what happens is that it actually gives you an easy gateway to all of our events. And um, you can simply register to everything online from your phone. You can also not only give, but you can track your giving. And if I believe correctly, um, uh, that... Uh, it also gives you the option if you want to pay for the, the like every time we use uh, uh, your credit card or anything else like that, we, the church always gets charged a little transaction fee. It gives you the option if you want to, to pay that fee as well. So we're really thrilled about this little app. Um, it gives you a list of all your donations so you can stay current with everything that happens. Um, and uh, if you have any questions about the app, feel free just to contact us at the office and we can walk you through, or Pastor Jordan Michalski here at the front, he can walk you through it very easily. Allison, I think, is in Soul Kids. But if uh, there are any questions, we'd love to help you. So, <clears throat> my mom passed on. Uh, we buried her, and uh, now I'm in the midst of going through her house and all of her belongings. And uh, as a family, we found some incredible treasures, uh, like this picture that we didn't know existed here. And uh, uh, this is taken shortly before my mom immigrated into Canada from Belarus. So this little girl here with the sad face uh, happens to be my mother. And uh, it's interesting, our... our uh, our family history and what uh, uh, the cousins and the grandkids found when we just started going through absolutely everything in the house. And so this actually got me thinking as to what I wanted to share for my first life lesson of 2019. And I wanted to start this life lesson with one of the most profound questions you can consider in life, and that is this. What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind for your family and for your friends when you pass. How do you want others to remember you? Like those, those are deep questions. Um, and again, it's, it's right where I'm at. Do you want to be known for how intelligent or how educated you were? Or how um, articulate or animated you were? Or how well-dressed or how organized you were? Is that really what you want to leave behind when you go. The following is an excerpt my brother Ron wrote for my mom at the funeral. He said this. She was a little girl who had no mother. The little girl in the photograph. Over the years, she only knew what her mother looked like from rare family photos. Did she ever have a memory of even being held or kissed by her mother? I don't think so. Did she ever have a memory of her mother making her breakfast or packing her a lunch? Ever a memory of being read a story or being tucked in at night? Did my mother ever have a sense of presence of her mother? I don't know. She was only three when her mother died. How then could she be such a force with such a strong maternal instincts for us? 
could it be because she had such a great dad and a clear image of her heavenly father who loves unconditionally? Like as a mother hen who would gather her chick under her wings? The force of her imprint, strength, faith, wisdom, and love is upon us all. And he went on to say this. And if you know my mom, this will ring true. Mother was always right. Mother always knew what I was thinking. Mother was clairvoyant. Mother was proud of me. Mother wanted me to be happy. Mother wanted me to be clean. Mother had a sense of humor. Mother was strong, maybe even tough. Mother was stern. My mother was brave. My mother was protective. My mother was independent. My mother was non-compliant. My mother was smart. My mother was not sentimental. My mother was demanding. My mother was full of faith. My mother loved children. My mother wouldn't give me credit. My mother gave too much advice. My mother worried too much. My mother was never right. My mother was always right. My mother adored my father. My mother loved God. My mother loved us. Here's a clip from the movie The Emperor's Club. Just watch it. Your name, sir? Uh, Robert Brewster, sir. Very good. And you? Deepak Mehta, sir. And your name? Eugene Field, sir. Field. And you? Martin Bly, sir. Is that a question? Uh, no, sir. Uh, my name is Martin Bly, sir. Very good. You all know your own names. Question is, do I? Mr. Blythe. Me, sir? Yes, you. Now, Mr. Field to your right, or Mr. Gray to your left, or Mr. Diebel behind you. You, sir. Will you do me a favor and walk to the back of this classroom and read for us the plaque which you see hanging over that door? I'm Shutruk Nahunte. Very good. A little louder, please. Yes, sir. I am Shutruk Nahunte, king of Anshans and Susa, sovereign of the land of Alam. I destroyed Sipar and took the stela of Naran. Steel? Took the steel of Naran Sin and brought it back to Alam, where I erected it as an offering to my god. Shutruk Nahunte, 1158 BC. Well done, Mr. Blythe. Thank you. You may be seated. Shutruk Nahunti. Is anyone familiar with this fellow? Texts are permissible. But you won't find it there. Shutruk Nahunti. King. Sovereign of the land of Elam. Destroyer of Sippar. Behold, his accomplishments cannot be found in any history book. Why? Because great ambition and conquest without contribution is without significance. What will your contribution be? How will history remember you? Shutruk Nahunte, utterly forgotten. Unlike the great men you see around you, Aristotle, Caesar, Augustus, Plato, Cicero, Socrates, giants of history, men of profound character, Men whose accomplishments surpass their own lifetime and survive even into our own. Their story is our story. You ever take a moment to reflect on what kind of legacy you want to leave? It kind of sounds morbid, doesn't it? Like, you know, I thought we we're supposed to be encouraged. No, I actually want to encourage you today. Do you ever wish you could keep supporting your friends and your family even when you're not here. And I think it's completely natural for us as humans to actually consider this kind of, you know, uh, uh, what kind of trail we leave in our wake. You know, what's the trail that people are going to remember us by? 
Our time on earth is short and fleeting. And for that reason alone, it's never too soon to start considering your life legacy. And I speak specifically to our youth, but also to the oldest in our community this morning. You know, as a topic that graces so many of our minds, it's highly depicted in movies and media today. It leaves, you know, leaving messages and advice to loved ones after we're gone is something that is wrenchingly beautiful, whether people do it on, on video now or whatever. It also makes for great movies. We see that in a number of good movies. And again, if you're in the mood to deal with your emotions and watch uh, a movie surrounding legacies, I can give you about four good ones. But... Um, do you need an inspiration on how to leave your own legacy this morning? I like what Proverbs says, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. You know, when I'm preparing for a funeral, I start to think about my own life. I do it all the time. I start wondering how I'll be remembered. You know, did I allow God to use me the way that he wanted to? Was I the husband he wanted me to be? Was I the father? Was I the pastor? Or perhaps one of the biggest questions we wrestle with is the one that has existed far longer than any of us. It's a question that actually resonates from the pages of Genesis and, and Exodus from the Bible. We see it echo in the book of 1 Kings and Daniel uh, from Adam and Eve to Moses to Abraham to the prophets. It's a question that lingers in the Gospels with Peter, James, and John. The simple question is, is also profound and it, the question is, what's your legacy going to be? What's your legacy going to be? What's a legacy? Well, a legacy is what you leave with the people that you're the closest to after you're gone. A legacy is what's, what's going to live on after you leave this earth, after you die. How are you going to be remembered? It's the impact, when you think about it, it's the impact you make in this life while you are here and its lasting effects. The reality is that every life leaves a legacy. That's not an option. The question is not if you will leave a legacy, because every one of us will. The question is what kind of legacy are you going to leave? And, and you know, however you frame that question, the truth is that right now you are working on the legacy that you're going to leave. And you see, your family will have left in their hands their prime, uh, primarily that which is you have passed on to them. They will be left with your legacy, be it good or bad. And that's what they will have. Now, the legacy you leave will become the legacy that your family lives. And in turn, it will become the basis for the legacy that you leave. Watch this. You sent for me, Caesar? Caesar. Tell me again, Maximus, why are we here? For the glory of the Empire, sire. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, I remember. Do you see that map, Maximus? That is the world which I created. For 25 years, I have conquered, spilt blood, expanded the Empire. Since I became Caesar, I've known four years without war. Four years of peace in 20. And for what? I brought the sword. Nothing more. Caesar, your life, please. Please don't call me that. Come. Please. Come sit. Let us talk together now, very simply, as men. Well, Maximus, talk. 5,000 of my men are out there in the freezing mud. 
3,000 of them are bloodied and cleaved. 2,000 will never leave this place. I will not believe that they fought and died for nothing. And what would you believe? They Maximus? fought for you. And for Rome. And what is Rome, Maximus? I've seen much of the rest of the world. It is brutal and cruel and dark. Rome is the light. Yet you have never been there. You have not seen what it has become. I am dying, Maximus. When a man sees his end, he wants to know there was some purpose to his life. How will the world speak my name in years to come? Will I be known as the philosopher, the warrior, the tyrant? Or will I be the emperor who gave Rome back her true self? There was once a dream that was Rome. You could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. It was so fragile. And I fear that it will not survive the winter. Martin Luther, when asked what he would do if he knew he was going to die tomorrow, he simply replied, I would go out and plant a tree. In other words, he, he would leave behind him a legacy of life that would go on into the future. And that is what I want us to look at in these next few minutes, leaving a legacy that will go on into the future. Now, now there is a difference between reputation and legacy that I want to point out to you. Your reputation is what you're known for. Think about that. Your legacy is who you are. Your reputation is what you have when you come to a new community. Your legacy is what you leave behind when you go. A reputation can be made in a moment, whereas a legacy is actually something that is built over a lifetime. A single newspaper report, um, a careless gossip can give you your reputation. But a life of toil, a life of work, actually gives you your legacy. Reputation is what people say about you on your tombstone. Legacy is what your children will live with the rest of their lives. A good example of what it looks like to leave a legacy as it's found again in the lives of King David and his son Solomon in the Scriptures. David is a man who although he's very far from perfect, is best known for having the kind of faith that could strike down giants, literally. He exemplified what it looked like to have a repentant heart. He was a leader uh, who, because of his commitment to God, reaped the blessings of his Father in heaven. And we see that throughout the pages. And then there's Solomon. Now Solomon's story plays out a little bit differently than his dad David's. Where David made some mistakes, he actually learned from them. He repented of them and he sought God through them. Solomon at first seems to make all the right moves. At least, you know, like I said, at first instead of asking God for great wealth and power, he simply asks God for wisdom, which God is tremendously pleased about and grants him greatly. Solomon goes on, he builds a temple where the ark is placed so that God could dwell among his people. And God is very happy, as we read in scripture, to consecrate that, that temple. And yet there's this foreshadowing in the early pages of 1 Kings, because every time Solomon did something that pleased God, he was reminded by God, if you walk before me in integrity of heart and uprightness as David, your father, did, and do all I command and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever. And so when you're tracking through the scriptures, you see that Solomon heard these words repeated uh, throughout his life over and over again. And yet Solomon at some point stopped listening. And we pick it up and we read, the Bible states that King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. And as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. Solomon was led astray, no longer loyal to God. And God kept his word, and we read that he tore the kingdom of Israel from Solomon's hands. And Solomon is a sad legacy to leave. He started out well, but it turned sour. And as David is known for being a man after God's heart, even though he had some horrible decisions in his life, Solomon is left in Scripture as being known for his unfaithfulness. 
And then there's this passage right in the middle of the Ten Commandments. And God declares this. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now, I need to be honest with this passage of Scripture because I never really understood. Actually, let me be clear. I really never liked this passage. And it didn't seem fair when I read it and when you hear it that God would punish children for the sins of their parents or grandparents or great-grandparents for that matter, does it? There's so much to learn here in the way that this verse is, it's, even though it's functioning in Old Testament law, we, we live it today in the new covenant of Christ when you think about it. Because I, I sit back and I begin to reflect on society and I start to think about alcoholics and, and addicts and how their children are prone to addiction because of their parents' affliction. Or how those who are abused are more prone to be abusive themselves. And then it dawned on me, although that I fully don't understand God's blessings and curses, we do a pretty good job of cursing those around us on our own, don't we? Do I get a yep? You know, if, if God would grant me the opportunity to determine how I wanted to exit this world... I actually hope to be an elderly man lying in my bed. Seated next to me on the edge of my bed would be my wonderful bride, holding my hand. Yes, dear, I want to go first, all right? We have all these wonderful death discussions in our family. It gets pretty heated at times. So to take all the pressure off you, I'll go first. And then you won't have to worry about who I remarry. And then... Um, <laughs> And so I do. I want my wife next to me. I want all my children uh, there with their spouses, their godly women with them. Also in the room, I want my grandchildren with their spouses, I hope, and, and godly as well. And so some of my kids, you better start getting busy because I use plural in terms of grandchildren, not grandchild. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, I'm praying for a blessing in your marriage, my friend. And maybe if I'm old enough, maybe if I'm just, if I just hang on long enough, there would be a couple of great grandchildren, probably starting fires and destroying things when nobody's looking, but at least in the room with us. And when it's all said and done, I actually hope to see my legacy lived out in my kids and in their children and in their children. But I also believe that there's more to that. That my legacy would actually be felt around the world with all the missions that we've been a part of over our lifetime. You know, what we have done as a community of people with World Vision and supporting over 170 kids in one, one town in Africa, never mind compassion, and all the kids that we've done throughout um, uh, South America and other areas. Collectively. You know, that's a legacy builder that I have to say this, that many of us, almost all of us, will never see the fruit of. But because some of us have been faithful to give and to support a kid that we have never seen, we will never know the difference until we get to heaven and see what it did for them. That's legacy. The work of supporting students in Indonesia and helping them get through a Christian university to make a difference in their country with our all-hands held with our golf tournament that actually flows over and starts supporting the students and, and kids who are suffering sexual uh, abuse in Brazil, not to mention the children in Africa who we support, uh, who deal with disabilities and helping their parents get a trade to go on and to make a difference. That's a legacy that this community is all about. The sponsoring of three Syrian families here to Canada. Life-changing. 
The feeding of children and others at Living Word Temple here in our own city. Got a message this week from Paul. Pastor Trevor had the opportunity to feed over 90 kids. He even had the opportunity to pray with kids in the school. Do you see that? No. Are you a part of that? Yeah. This is part of the legacy that we are leaving. Not to mention our missionaries that we support, like Titus Graham, Paul Craker, Bonnie and Evan Falk, and all the money and all the work that we have sent to Russia and to the churches there and the church plants and the Bible school and the addiction centers. That's us, people. That's us. It's us collectively who've been able to do this. And that's why... Well, actually, put it this way, that, that is soul sanctuary, and that's why I'm excited to be a part of this church whose reach is global. It's global. And over the years, I've come to realize that I've had the opportunity to shape future generations, not necessarily through the sermons I preach or the things that I write, but through something as simple as encouraging other people to give their money to support something on the other side of the world. And then my focus comes on loving my God and my wife and and, and showing my family what it looks like to seek God in their lives and in their relationships and try to make a difference in the world in which he has placed us in. And the truth is, many of us believe that in order to change the world, we have to be famous or celebrated. Uh, You know, you you got to be in the news, right? You know, we have to be authors or athletes or movie stars and have people shout our names in auditoriums with large gatherings of people. But what if God's plan for you and for me is to simply be the best husband, the best wife, the best mom, the best dad, the best soup kitchen volunteer, or after school tutor you can be? What if God's plan for you is to break a cycle of abuse or addiction in your family, to set a new course for the future generations, to be hope to the hopeless, to love someone others would consider unlovable? You know, that's not too bad of a legacy to leave, don't you think? Don't you think that? I read this comment by a political commentator by the name of Robert Reich. He said this, The central paradox of our time is that most of us are earning more money and living better in material terms than our parents did a quarter century ago. Yet by most measures, we're working longer and more frantically than ever before. And the time and energy left for our non-working lives are evaporating. The new economy we are living in brings enormous benefits in terms of wealth and innovation, new chances and choices, but our absorption and keeping up with all of it with all of it, is leading to the erosion of our families, the fragmenting of our communities, and the challenge of keeping our own integrity intact. We are in danger of losing the crucial distinction between making a living and making a life. We are experiencing a crisis in generational legacies in our nation. I'll say it again. We're experiencing a crisis in generational legacies in our nation. Timothy writes, he says, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You'll notice that Paul, when he writes here in the New Testament, he doesn't say anything about education that he's received. He never talks about the places that he traveled, the letters that he written, the people that he preached to, the churches that he planted. He doesn't say any of that. He flat out wants his legacy to be labeled as faithful. And I love that. And I think that's what we need to aspire as a follower of Jesus. Paul is pondering the end of his life, and, and he made three very simple statements about his legacy. He fought the good fight, he finished the race, and he kept the faith. Simple. And I would suggest to you right there that you have some of the greatest statements concerning legacy that you will ever read. And if you want to leave a legacy that is greater than you, if you want to leave a legacy that will impact generation after generation, if you want to live your life and leave something that will be great, all all you need is wrapped up in these three profoundly simple yet inspiringly deep statements. Fight the good fight. 
If you want to leave that legacy that is greater than you, recognize that each day that we are in a war as believers and that we have to choose to stand firm, that we have to clothe ourselves in a spiritual armor. And here's is what I think that we miss sometimes is that when you and I are casual about spiritual things, when we are careless with the disciplines of the faith, things like Bible and reading and prayer and study and even just coming and gathering together as the church, when we are callous about things that are holy, we could be leaving a legacy that's maybe not strong enough for our family, especially in their time of need. We've got to understand that Satan, because we are in a spiritual battle, targets you and he tries to weaken our faith. And he tries to compromise our stand or to induce us to sin. And he is not simply targeting you, but he is targeting your children and he's targeting your family and he's targeting your friends as well. And that is why the legacy I leave is created by the choices I make on a daily basis. Ephesians says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against powers, against world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We're in a spiritual battle, and the deeper your walk in righteousness, the more effective your weapons in the fight. You know, 2 Corinthians 6, 7 says that we have weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. If you're not making choices in keeping with God's righteousness, you're compromising your strength in the battle. How many of you know that in the kingdom you might have to fight for your inheritance or fight for your legacy? Fight for it. It's because it's promised, but it's not yet possessed. Israel had been given the promised land. It was theirs. It was their inheritance. It was their legacy. But they had to what? They had to fight for it. The devil doesn't want us to, to walk in the legacy left for us. As a matter of fact, he's out to steal, kill, and destroy. We see that all the time. People, there are things in our life worth fighting for. There are spiritual things in our life worth fighting for. So fight the good fight. Finish the race. Finishing the race means ensuring the, in the process that you are neither disqualified nor disheartened. In the race of life, in the race of ministry. I've been around long enough to know that some man and woman whose lives were totally sold out to God just even a few years ago. But have sin walked, since then have walked off the track in the middle of the race. They've given up. They've walked away from the faith. People who used to pastor churches, they've just given up. They've lost their longing for God and who he is. And they've walked away. They, they've gone AWOL from the Christian life. Friends of mine. Satan uses a number of things to try to throw us off track. He uses distractions, both good and bad. Not all distractions are bad. Some are good. But they're distractions. He uses discouragement. Through being offended and failure. He uses division between you and God and you and others. He uses deception. When we think this is life, in this life it's all about you. You're, you're so deceived. It's not. Or when you think, oh, God just wants us to be happy. Oh, for Pete's sake, will you just find me the chapter and verse that says that? Please, I've been looking through the Bible for years, 50 years. I still haven't found that one. Hebrews states, he says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. So fight the good fight, finish the race, then keep the faith. You know, the word for keep means to manage. It means to guard, to look over. And some Christians, we bury our faith. What is it that you have to manage? What is it that you have to guard to look over? It's the faith that we hold on. Hold on to the truth tenaciously. Hold on to the faith that we subscribe to. Pursue God daily. A lifestyle of worship. Forget living to please men. Live to please God. Live sacrificially for others. People leaving a legacy live sacrificially because they are living for something greater than themselves. 
Now, here's the deal, folks. You can't fight a good fight, you can't finish the race, and you can't keep the faith. Nor could Paul. But there's one who can, and he comes alongside us to help us in the process. Paul left us with these words, who also said that he had been crucified with Christ. It was no longer he who lived, but Christ in him. He said that he could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when we understand that we're not in this on our own, and we can't do it under our own power, that we need the power of God to come into us, how do you leave that legacy? Here it is, you fear God. You fear God and you obey him. Number one thing, most important thing, do you fear God and obey him? Your legacy actually begins in your heart. It doesn't matter what age you are or where you start. It begins right here in your heart, in your relationship with God. Psalms 112 it reads, How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Doesn't that sound wonderful? When we got married, Sharon and I understood that God owned the title deeds to our lives. He owned the title deeds to our marriage. He owned it to our hopes of having children, to our family, to our relationship, to our rights, to our lives, to whatever ministry that God put us in. We gave everything to him and he was our first priority. Is he yours? Secondly, recognize the world's needs and respond with compassion and action. In Matthew, we read and seeing the multitudes that Jesus felt compassion for him. Listen, we leave a legacy, and I've already gave you these illustrations, but we leave a legacy by being committed to doing something about our world. Many Christians today, they actually walk along the middle of the road. They're so focused on what other people think that they're unwilling to take any risks in order to make an impact for Christ. And I'm just saying it how it is. And in light of this, there's a guy by the name of Jamie Buckingham. He wrote this. The problem with Christians today in North America is that nobody wants to kill them anymore. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> and here I am. I'm flying around in the last few weeks, and I'm flying over rows of houses. Do you ever wonder how many people in those homes know Jesus? This year, millions of people will die, will die without ever hearing the name of Christ. Hundreds of millions will be praying to idols. Somebody needs to reach these people with the good news. John F. Kennedy wrote in his book, Profiles in Courage, he described the need for courageous people. Some men show courage throughout the whole of their lives. Others sail with the wind until the decisive moment when their conscience and events propel them into the center of the storm. If you want to leave a lasting legacy, you need to act with courage to reach out to those in need. If you've been with us since the summer, you know what our vision here at Seoul for 2018-2019 is. It's fourfold, right? Do you remember it? Know God, know freedom, know your purpose, and come on, I think I put a little hint on the screen for you, right? Make a difference. I'm convinced that this generation needs to have an experience with God. And experience the gifts of the Spirit that the Bible talks about. We already live in a culture that we have everything at our fingertips, but the one thing that money can't buy is an encounter with the manifest presence of God and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's above wealth. It's above knowledge. It's supernatural. Money cannot buy that. It's the undeniable supernatural power of our God that blows people away. Hello? We need to have this experience with God. Our culture is looking for that. To know God, to experience his healing, to experience his freedom in our lives, to give us purpose and to uh, enable us to make a difference in this very short life we have. So then pray that God will use you to accomplish his purposes. First Chronicles, Jabed prays a prayer and he says that you would bless me, enlarge my border and your your hand would be with me that you would keep me from harm. He asked God to bless him. Very simple. To give him new turf, to enlarge his sphere of influence, to keep him from temptation. There's nothing wrong with this prayer. To stay with him. There's, we, we should be praying this prayer continually at the end of the year and see how does it affect our lives. Think about it. Watch this.
Strength and honor. Strength and honor. Strength and honor. At my signal, unleash hell. my crops. Imagine where you will be, and it will be so. Hold the line. Stay with me. You find yourself alone, riding in green fields with the sun on your face. Do not be troubled, for you are in Elysium, and you're already dead. <laughs> Brothers, what we do in life echoes in eternity. I don't know if you heard that. What we do in life echoes in eternity. The two most important days of your life is the day that you were born and the day that you find out why. So young people, I talked to you this morning. Do you want to make a difference? Do you want to make a difference in what you're doing? There's so much truth to that statement of what we do in life echoes in eternity. And so I, I talk to all of you, but I want to focus between 18 and 25 specifically, that you would seriously consider taking a year with us in our internship program that starts this September, giving you lots of time. Allow us to take you and to pour into you and to guide you and to train you up and to release you maybe to do ministry while you're with us and to begin this process of discovering what God has in your life. Parents, you need to release your, parent, your kids to God's call. And maybe they just need that one year off. And then they'll go back to university, they'll go back to school, they'll go back into the workforce. But allow them to hear the voice of God and to start making decisions and impacts, to make a difference. Because I think all of us want our life to count in a way that we could never imagine. You know, for all of us as a church community, uh, uh, we need to continue to make a difference in what we're doing in regards to mission. And I want to present to you today another challenge. Got a call from Moscow. This may, from uh, Alexander Prashaga. And he says, look, we need your help. Okay, but I'm not asking you for the Russia, I'm asking you for the Ukraine. In May, in, in the city of Rivno, R-I-V-N-E, you can look that up. They want to plant a church there, and he's, he's asking us as a church, will you guys help? Will you help sponsor the church? Will you do that? I can say this right now, that we, you know, he's asking us to corporately raise funds. We've already risen, three, um, got $3,000 given to help us establish uh, an addiction center in Kiev. So they've already established the Kiev Addiction Center. We have money in our bank that will be taken over there and given to them. He's asking us to help raise funds to plant a church in, in Ukraine. And again, if you know anything about Alexander Prashaga, he doesn't just plant one church. He just keeps going and going and going. And so their kids, they get out of their high school program and they come to their Bible college. Many of their addiction students who graduate and they're clean and they find Jesus, they go to Bible college. He trains them for one complete full year. And you know what he does? He sends them out to plant churches. He sends them out sometimes to revitalize other churches that need a good boost and a new, new kick and a new outlook on life. That's what he's doing. Making a legacy, making a difference. He's asking us to partner in. 
You know, we do a lot now. And I believe there's more to be done. And I do believe that as a church that we can do this collectively. And so we must. We must help others be better stewards of their gifts and their abilities as well. We must, as a church, as leaders, as parents, help others recognize how God has used gifts and abilities in the past. Let me ask you this question. Are you serving other people? Are you teaching the scriptures? Are you serving somewhere in the church? We all collectively should be helping one another plug in to the local church, plug into a ministry to make a difference in other people's lives, which needs committed men and women who have strong godly character and a vision for their communities. We need to be able to help other people recognize their convictions. Thomas Carlyle, he says, conviction is worthless until it can convert itself into daily conduct. In other words, we need to help others determine what they're willing to die for so that they can ultimately determine what they can live for. Finally, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, whatever. Ask God to give the next generation a sense of purpose, direction, and mission. Are you doing that? Or are we so inward focused like naturally we are in our culture? I think that the challenge here is to leave your children a heritage, not just an inheritance. You tracking with me on that? I love what somebody once said. Our children are messengers we send to a time we will not see. When we rise up in faithfulness with Jesus, his life becomes the legacy that you leave. When we realize that in Jesus you live and move and have your being, (coughs) he becomes the legacy that you live and the legacy that you leave. When you choose to live a life that leads to leaving a... uh, Will you choose to live a life that leads to leaving a legacy this morning? Everybody has a name. And everybody has a story. And every story matters to God. And where do you fit in that story? Maybe you're here today and you're like, Jerry, I want to leave you a legacy, but I'm just not sure about this whole Jesus thing. Or maybe you're here today and you got questions about God, about Jesus, about church, or maybe you just feel like you're drowning. Maybe you didn't hear a word I said. That's okay. Simply just take out your phone. And for those of you on Facebook and Instagram, you're already on phone anyway, so it doesn't matter. So just you can take it out, go to the app that says text, and we want to be able to walk with you and connect with you because we take this seriously. I'm going to pray in a few minutes, and if you want us to contact you, if you have some questions, you want to chat, you want some You want us to pray for you. We want to connect with you personally. And all you need to do is text the word soul to 204-226-7254. And no, it's not Joshua Wachowski's cell phone, okay? It's it's our pastoral care phone. I'll guarantee that somebody will contact you within 24 hours. And we're not going to creepy stalk you. We simply care about your spiritual well-being. We want to help you on this journey called life and I'll guarantee you that somebody will contact you within those next 24 hours and so as I lead us into prayer and you feel you need to reach out just text soul to that number but for the rest of you young people what's the legacy that you want to make what's the difference you want to leave do you want to see things change I challenge you for this next week to pray about our internship program And when I say young people, I'm saying 25 and under. Oh, what about 26? You're old people at this point in time. But I'm still challenging you as well. Sorry, Jordan. Yeah, happy birthday. But I'm still challenging you as well. What type of legacy do you want to leave? My mom's mom died in childbirth to her brother. My grandfather left with all these kids, quickly married somebody because they were on their way over to Canada. He couldn't do it on his own.
a Christian heritage that has passed down. My mom was so proud of her three sons. She was so proud of her uh, grandchildren and of her great-grandchildren. And we see the legacy being pushed down, not just from my mom, but from my grandfather. And I'm so interested to find out who affected him and guided him in his life and made a difference. And from there, we don't see the effects, and we won't see the effects of our legacy until, honestly, that we stand before the Lord and he looks at us and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well, when did we feed the sick or visit the sick? When did we feed the hungry? When did we clothe the naked? When, when? And I'll be talking about that. And I have a challenge when we get to Matthew 25. I have a challenge for all of us as a community. But that's when we'll find out. Let's pray. Will you stand with me, please? And if you want to just as an act to receive from God, just put your hands, palms up. A hand of surrender, just saying, God, I just need to receive from you. And so, dear God, we give you your spirit room to move, to show us things maybe that we've missed, to expose things that we carry around that are really dark and disturbing. So show us areas where we're a mess and are miserable. Because, God, I do believe we want to live well. We want to live as you've made us to live. Almighty God, we bless you for our lives. We give you praise for your abundant mercy and grace that we receive. And we thank you for your faithfulness, even though we're not faithful to you. And so, Jesus, please grant us a peace of mind. Calm our troubled hearts. Our soul is like a turbulent sea at times, and we can't seem to find balance. So we stumble and we worry constantly. And my prayer is that you would give us strength and a clarity of mind to find our purpose and to walk the path that you've laid out for us and leave a legacy that will have lasting effects on generations to come. I ask that you'd give to all around a peace in our mind, in our body, in our soul, in our spirit. We want you to heal and remove anything that is causing stress, grief, and sorrow in our lives. And God, we just ask that you would make your presence manifest itself daily in our lives. Thank you for being God, for being bigger than us. And we surrender to you because we need you. And in ancient time, the one who blessed extended his hands for a blessing. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, says Romans 15. And may the light of God shine through you as you leave this place today. And may you take God's love into the world of darkness. And may people look to you for light. And may you show them the light of his love. Be blessed. We'll see you next week. And I'll pick it up with Hidden Figures.